Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, we had a great week in Nashville at the Cattle Industry Convention. I ran into a lot of Texas cattle producers, and we'll talk to one of them coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Border security in the Texas Rio Grande Valley. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. In the Texas Panhandle, farmers are getting ready to start a new winter wheat season, and it could be a big one. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas leads the nation in the number of female farmers and ranchers, and more than half are engaged in beef cattle production. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There were a lot of Texas cattle producers at the Cattle Industry Convention in Nashville. I ran into James Henderson of the Bradley Three Ranch in Childress County. He was manning a booth at the big trade show. Well, one, we feel it's important to be part of the industry, and, and so we're here for that reason. But it's a, it's a good place to get to see a lot of cattlemen and women and, and have the opportunity to market bulls. And while it was a great opportunity to sell bulls in Nashville... He says it's been a great summer back home in Texas. It's been as good a summer as I remember. It seems like every time we've needed rain, we've gotten one, and temperatures have not been nearly as hot as normal, and be a whole lot smarter rancher when it rains. Henderson says his pastures are about as good as he's ever seen. Anthrax is showing up in an area of Texas that doesn't usually see it. Jessica Domel has the story. The Texas Animal Health Commission has confirmed a case of anthrax in a cow in Hardeman County, well outside of the area where we typically see the disease. As a result, animal health officials are urging producers in the area to consult with their veterinarian if they suspect their livestock may have been exposed or may have anthrax. Anthrax is a bacterial disease caused by a naturally occurring organism. Livestock can get it by consuming contaminated grass and hay or by inhaling the spores. In Texas, it is typically found in portions of Crockett, Valverde, Sutton, Edwards, Kinney, and Maverick counties. After exposure to anthrax, it typically takes three to seven days for animals to show symptoms. Symptoms include acute fever, followed by rapid death with bleeding. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The 2021 Texas cotton harvest is just about to get underway. Butch Raker is a senior agronomic solutions advisor for BASF in South Texas. We're just around the corner. Probably this next week, you're going to see some harvesting going on. I know defoliation started this past week. We're dodging rain showers right now. Uh, this whole past week, we've had some pretty good showers come through here. And, and it's not covered the territory up. It's just they're sporadic and, and, and spotted in areas. thing is, with all the rains that we had, it's so muddy. 
it's delayed the grain harvest considerably, and everybody's trying to get that out. And we're on the short rows with that right now. Grain is just about wrapped up. I know that some corn harvesting's going on, and uh, they're trying to get that finished. And, uh, and defoliation is picked up. And I would say that we'll probably have pickers in the fields this next week to start start the cotton harvest, and the gins will be firing up and, and running. Butch Raker in South Texas. And speaking of South Texas, farmers and ranchers along the Mexican border are continuing to deal with the flood of illegal immigrants. Tom Nicoletti has more. Landowners, farmers, and ranchers along the Texas-Mexico border continue to need assistance during the unprecedented influx of illegal immigrants into the state. TFB Network's Gary Joyner reports from the Rio Grande Valley during his interview with Hidalgo County Sheriff Eddie Guerra. Sheriff Guerra, you have a unique relationship with landowners here in Hidalgo County. I have a program that I started back when I was uh, the constable and then, and then um, carried it over when I became the sheriff. Is I've got a supervisor that specifically works with all my uh, landowners, especially out, out in my northern part of my county. He's got a good working relationship. He knows every landowner, all the landowners' foremans. So whenever there is a critical incident that, uh, that they need to be aware of, that sergeant is able to communicate those critical incidents to those landowners. And if, and if they have a criminal mischief, we, uh, we often have down here when law enforcement is trying to, to pull over a, a vehicle and it runs from law enforcement, it goes through uh, uh, cattle fences or, or deer-proof fences. My sergeant is called out, he notifies the landowner, and in some cases he carries special equipment in his truck, T-post and, and, and barbed wire. Simple job that he gets, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll tend to it. Because there are times of day in which that repair is more important than waiting for something else to happen, right? Well, most of the time it's, you know, it's happening uh, late at night, 2 o'clock in the morning. If we can do it without bothering the landowner, we get it done. That way all my landowners can sleep at ease and, and know that their cattle and their livestock and their game animals are, are, uh, are secured. That is Hidalgo County Sheriff Eddie Guerra with TFB Network's Gary Joyner on the Texas-Mexico border. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. In the Texas Panhandle, farmers are about to begin a new winter wheat season. James Hunt tells us it could be a big one. Texas A&M agriconomist Mark Welch was among the presenters at AgriLife's Wheat Conference in Periton on Thursday, and he says those who grow wheat are in a good position right now. For one thing, with the Risk Management Agency now beginning the month-long process of establishing insurance prices for next season, it's helpful to have the wheat market going so strong. We're looking at what could possibly be the best base price for the revenue and uh, production insurance products from uh, the Risk Management Agency that we've seen in, in almost 10 years. Over $7 a bushel looks very likely for a base price for wheat for this next year's crop. And with that boost from a risk management standpoint, along with simply having healthy prices in general, Welch anticipates a lot of enthusiasm for wheat. Wheat's a good fit for a lot of Texas, for a lot of producers. Uh, they know how to handle it, know how to grow it, have such flexibility when it comes to grain or to forage, silage. There's so many uh, different uh, uses that we can uh, derive from that. The value can contribute in several different ways. And so if you've got some open ground, we've got some moisture, we've got good prices, I think the environment is just right to see another increase in wheat acres. Of course, a major reason wheat prices are strong right now is exports. And Welch expects U.S. producers to see more international competition on that front. That's what these prices 
prices do. They provide incentives for folks to produce more. But while the export situation is something to keep an eye on, wheat prices have shown staying power. And Welch encourages farmers to start strategizing on how to sell next year's crop. We don't want to let a market get away from us. Pricing opportunity evades us because we weren't ready because we didn't have things in place, because we hadn't had that conversation. We want to be prepared and proactive in making that marketing plan and have the pieces of our marketing program in place. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas leads the nation in the number of female farmers and ranchers, and more than half of those are engaged in beef production. Gary Joyner has the story. The most recent census of agriculture counted 408,000 farmers and ranchers in Texas. Of that amount in 2017, just over 156,000 or 38 percent were female farmers and ranchers. That's an increase of five percentage points from 2012. I'm not surprised by the higher number. I suspect the next census of agriculture in 2022 will reflect an even greater number of female farmers and ranchers in our state. The vast majority of female Texas producers have more than 10 years of experience on the farm and ranch. More than half of female farmers and ranchers in our state are active in beef cattle production. Texas leads the nation in the number of female farmers and ranchers. They're part of an agricultural engine that feeds the world and propels our Texas economy. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The August Congressional Recess is an ideal time for farmers and ranchers to advocate for agriculture. Chad Smith reports from Washington. The August Recess is a chance for members of Congress to reconnect with their constituents. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall says it's also the perfect time for farmers and ranchers to talk to their legislators about agriculture. Reach out to them, have a conversation with them, go to town hall meetings, call them, invite them to their farm and show them how the issues are affect them and just tell their story. We do a great job at growing the food and fiber for this country, but sometimes we don't take enough time time to tell our story and they need to tell their story to their congressman senators so that they can represent them well in Washington. Duvall says some of the main issues that farmers and ranchers should bring up to their elected officials include the need to expand rural broadband access, improve infrastructure, and protect stepped-up basis. Broadband's not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. And through education, health care, and for farmers and ranchers to do climate-smart farming and be able to market market their crops and do all the right things to keep us on the cutting edge. We need that infrastructure discussion to carry on. A lot of money has been spent to help us get through the pandemic and there's more going to be spent on infrastructure. We need to make sure that they don't cripple our ability to pass our farms on to the next generation by doing away with our stepped up bases or any of the tax advantages that we have to be able to pass our farms on to the next generation. Duval says there are plenty of advocacy opportunities outside of the August recess, including through social media, emails, and the old-fashioned handwritten letter. Farm Bureau does have online information available to help farmers and ranchers with their advocacy efforts. We invite everybody to go on to the American Farm Bureau website and look for all the updated issues and the policies that we supported on support of the issues that we might have with it. So there is a lot of places for our members or any individual to find out where agriculture stands on these issues. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today.
The Texas Animal Health Commission is proposing a rule that would shorten the time that deer breeders in Texas have to report an escaped animal. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it is not required to have your horse microchipped here in the U.S., but it has been required in other countries. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's not required to have your horse microchipped here in the U.S., but it might be a good idea. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells us it is being required in other countries like England. Horses have been identified by drawings, pictures, tattoos, and brands, but the newest type of ID is the microchip. A large number of dogs and cats are microchipped in the United States, but microchipping horses has not been as popular. Identifying horses is important for testing purposes, for disease tracing, and for identifying horses that have been lost in a disaster situation. Many organizations require horses to be microchipped before competing in an event sponsored by that organization. But overall, very few horses in the United States are microchipped. Cliff Williamson with the American Horse Council indicated that after a meeting of the council recommended microchipping in 2017, the number of horses microchipped greatly increased. And he is hoping that the numbers will continue to increase as it is the future of equine ID. There are also microchips that can determine the horse's temperature as well as being used for identification. And these temperature chips can allow monitoring of the horse's temperatures much easier. Dr. Alan Dorton from Kentucky indicates he is able to diagnose problems in foals before they are showing clinical signs by monitoring their temperatures by their microchips. This is especially helpful in a disease outbreak situation when a large number of animals are potentially affected and need to be monitored. However, it is important to know these chips are not GPS chips that will determine the location of the horse, but when scanned, the database can be searched and the owner of the horse can be contacted. It is unlikely for the chips to migrate or stop working, and placing the chips in the horse's neck is simple for your veterinarian and relatively inexpensive. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission is proposing a rule that would shorten the time that deer breeders in Texas would have to report an escaped animal. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Now through September 5th, the Texas Animal Health Commission is accepting comments on proposed changes to its rules for cervid breeders and raisers in Texas. Dr. Andy Schwartz, Commission Executive Director, said the proposed rule would shorten the time breeders and raisers have to report an escaped CWD susceptible animal. 
it's shortened to 72 hours. That's when a deer is, is known to have escaped from the facility. It needs to be reported to us within 72 hours. We've also shortened the time frame for sample submission, and this is after a sample is collected, you know, post-mortem or anti-mortem from a deer in the facility. This requirement is that it be submitted to the laboratory within seven days of collection, which is, again, in alignment with the federal standards. The proposed rule would also clarify herd certification program inspection activities. We clarified that definition or the description of those activities to be consistent uh, with federal standards as well. And that means that at least every three years, every animal in the herd needs to be verified, at least one ID on each of those animals every three years. And then the interim years, it, on an annual basis, the inventory needs to be verified as well. Dr. Schwartz says the majority of the proposed rule changes are to bring the state herd certification program in line with the changes made to the federal program so the standards are consistent. They're also designed to prevent the spread of chronic wasting disease across Texas and the U.S. You can comment on the proposed rules and read them in their entirety via a link on the Texas Animal Health Commission website. The deadline to comment is September 5th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. So how did the markets wrap up the week on Friday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After a bit of a lackluster trade on Friday morning, live cattle ended the day lower, likely due to concern that consumer demand for beef will wane after the Labor Day holiday, and that's kind of considered the end of the unofficial outdoor grilling season for the year. October live cattle down 37 cents to 128.12. December live cattle down 12 cents to 133.82. Fed cattle ended Friday mixed due to mixed but mostly higher corn prices. This Friday, September feeder cattle were down 47 cents to 163.07. October feeder cattle were up 15 cents to 165.77. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to head to Fredericksburg. Gillespie Livestock, Fredericksburg. Speak to Wayne Geiswhite. He and Sean run that show. Wayne, how was the cattle sale? We ended up with almost 1200 today, Larry. Cow markers bought it 2 to $4 cheaper. It looked maybe worse than that, but I didn't have any good cows. Had a few cows bring in the mid-70s. All those full cows and light cows were way back from there. Uh, still had a bull or two that bring up over a dollar. Can't market uh, the lightweight steers, kind of 500 down, look like two to four dollars higher, but the rest of them steady. So some free weights up to 230 something, four weights up to over two dollars, five weights kind of up to 179, uh, six weights up in the low 160s, seven weights in the mid to high 140s, 
and then had quite a few eight weights for you know, 130 to, to 140. And this is mostly all calves. A few yearlings uh, bring a little bit more than the calves do. And the heifer mate, you know, the better full weight heifers bring up close to 173 weights up, 180. Five weights up in the mid 150s, six weights in the mid to low 140s. Uh, had a few replacement heifers weighing in the sevens, weighing up around 140. They were really, really fancy and went back, you know, home. Uh, had a pretty good sale. We had understood this thing was a little bit softer, but I did not see it in Fredericksburg. What are we anticipating next week? Well, it's August. You know, they're going to start bringing some cattle in as it gets a little warmer. You know, it'd be nice to have a little shower rain, make everybody feel better. But, uh, you know, this grass got a cure. Uh, sheep and goats probably going to run three to 4,000. Tell everybody how to contact you, Wayne, guys. Why? We're day three. Wayne, we appreciate your business, and I'll talk to Sean on Sunday evening. All right, yeah, we're good. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Block cheese rose a little over three cents Friday to a dollar eighty-one. Barrel cheese was up four cents to a dollar forty-five. The strength of the two cheese prices pushed Class Three milk limit up Friday, but by the time the market closed, prices had backed off of that limit a bit. September Class 3 milk up 68 cents to 17.60 a hundredweight. Just a day after the U.S. Department of Agriculture forecast a smaller U.S. cotton crop, cotton posted triple-digit gains. October cotton was up 144 points to 95.21. December cotton was up 100 points to 94.32. USDA also forecast a smaller U.S. corn crop due to drought in some parts of the Midwest. September corn was up one and a quarter Friday to 568 and a quarter. December corn down a quarter to 573. USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report for the month also forecast a smaller wheat harvest in the U.S. and in Russia. That pushed wheat prices up on Friday. September hard red wheat was up three and a half to 742 and a quarter. December hard red wheat was up four and a quarter to 755. The Dow and the S&P 500 hit record highs on Friday on higher Disney and tech-related stocks. The Dow up 9 points to 35,509, S&P 500 up 4 points to 4,465. The Nasdaq fell less than a point to 14,816. Well, that's all we have for our markets today, and that's it for this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.